about perspective and what I've been able to do in this sport. I feel like I've done everything, but but when the Daytona 500, I look at my brother and, and the only speedway race that he's ever won in NASCAR in 19 years of being here was the Daytona 500. It's pretty cool that, that he was able to do that, but it's his only speedway win. I've won, I think, three other speedway races. They're so random these days that winning this race isn't quite what it used to be in the mid-80s and before when it was a lot about the car, it was a lot about the driver, it was a lot about the setup, and it, it wasn't all just chance. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to Free For All Friday. We do have lines open for the first time in a long time. Our one and only guest is Chris Spatola of ESPN on College Hoops. That's in about 90 minutes. So great time for your question, your comment, your complaint. That was Kyle Busch, two-time Cup Series champion on the NASCAR circuit. Among our guests live on the David Glenn Show earlier this week, he has done, at 34 years old, Almost everything you can do in his sport except win the Daytona 500, which, of course, will be underway on Sunday. The Great American Race, as it is called, announced its fifth consecutive sellout just yesterday. It is tough times for NASCAR overall, financially and in terms of attendance and TV numbers, etc. But no lack of drama and excitement over this big race. Kyle Busch, two-time Cup Series champion, trying to add to his resume with that elusive prize on Sunday. The NBA All-Star Weekend inspires this question. Which sport does the All-Star experience best on or off the field? I think the NBA is actually the right answer to that, but I have had NHL, NASCAR, NFL, and Major League Baseball answers today. If you can chime in on that, dial up 1-800-849-2761. Which sport does the All-Star experience best best on and off the field or court or track or whatever. The other question of the day is for football fans. XFL Week 2 is here after a successful, in terms of TV numbers and attendance numbers, Week 1. Will you be watching? I will not. It's just not high enough in my pecking order as I watch All-Star Weekend. The big game is Sunday, but also tonight's the All-Star Celebrity Game. It's going to be Team Common against Team Chance the Rapper tonight at 7 o'clock on ESPN. I have to admit, as I get older, I am down to recognizing only half the names on the celebrity NBA All-Star rosters. That's still pretty good, though, my kids tell me. Half is not bad, given the alternative. The Rising Stars challenges tonight. U.S. versus the world, TNT, 9 o'clock. Remember, R.J. Barrett of Duke is from Canada, so he actually plays in the U.S. versus world format. That's what they do with the young NBA players who are not in the All-Star game but who are considered rising stars. As we come to your calls on college hoops the week that was and the weekend to come, it'll be R.J., Duke lottery pick, one-and-done Blue Devils star, representing Team World tonight because he's from Canada. It'll be that Zion Williamson guy, representing Team USA, of course. He is from South Carolina and then the Duke Blue Devils. Zion, by the way, 19 years old, missed the first half of the season because of his knee surgery. Number one overall pick out of Duke for the New Orleans Pelicans. Has energized that franchise. If you have not been paying attention, he's only played 10 games, but he is being discussed, and this is incredible to hear, He's being discussed as a, pro, as a possible NBA Rookie of the Year, even though, I mean, that sounds counterintuitive, right? How can anybody win anything in any sport if they have missed truly 50% of the season? Like, at some point, doesn't show, showing up 
is it that part of the process then being great comes after showing up? And that's not a shot at Zion. His body needed whatever recovery time his body needed. It is brutally difficult to get into any awards or honors race if you miss literally 50% of the games or more. The tricky part of this year's NBA Rookie of the Year race is that Ja Morant of Memphis, the point guard, is clearly the other best candidate. And as long as he keeps playing well, if Memphis does well enough as a team, John Morant's probably going to be your NBA Rookie of the Year. Again, being great over 80-plus games is a lot better than being great over whatever Zion ends up playing. And again, at this point, Zion has played only 10 games for the Pelicans. However, what if John Morant isn't as great down the stretch? What if the Memphis Grizzlies fall out of playoff position? And what if Zion Williamson continues the numbers he's had through 10 games and the Pelicans go from a thousand miles outside the playoff race to say whatever the eight seed in their conference if that happens then Zion has the individual brilliance and then Zion clearly takes a not even close to the playoffs train wreck of a team and perhaps part of this is hypothetical of course he's got to keep playing this well the Pelicans would have to rise into playoff position but then you could have Another Duke guy winning another NBA honor through 10 games. Listen to these numbers for the 17, for the 19-year-old Zion Williamson. He's playing only about 27 minutes per game, which is not a, an enormous number for an NBA starting caliber player. But through 10 games, as they've worked him back into the rotation and to a degree limited his minutes, he is at numbers that all of his haters will have to wave the white flag of surrender unless they're just intellectually dishonest about it. Again, you may have skepticism about his longer-term NBA career because you think his body and his injury history is such that there's no way he can sustain this. That is a different question. But in terms of can a six foot seven guy who's almost 300 pounds rise amongst the trees and the athletes and the length and the seven-footers of the NBA and play in and around the rim and also he didn't have much of a three-point shot for most of his time at Duke. Can that translate to the NBA to a degree that's deserving of a number one overall pick? Not just a lottery pick, but the very first guy picked. Answer is yes. I mean, you got to watch it to see everything that I mean by the resounding yes. He's at 22 points and eight rebounds per game while shooting near 60% from the field, and he's shooting 36% from the NBA three-point line. That's a good number for a guard, much less a guy who spends a lot of time in the paint as well. Zion's first 10 games in the NBA actually carry some history with them. As we come to Justin in Elkin, North Carolina, others on the college basketball week that was and weekend to come. Astros' apologies did not go over well. Some went in on that. David Tepper addressed the Cam Newton situation, sort of. Others went in on the NFL. You can answer our XFL question of the day, will you be watching and why? Our all-star question of the day, which sport does the all-star experience best? Maybe you've been to one of those in person here in Charlotte for the NBA recently or here in Raleigh with the Hurricanes hosting the NHL all-star game not long ago. You also have the all-star race in Charlotte at Charlotte Motor Speedway, a different flavor of all-stars for those who love the NASCAR game, 1-800-849-2761. As we go to Justin, the Zion Williamson numbers, he is over 200 points through 10 career games. You ready for this? 
over the last 30 NBA seasons, according to ESPN Stats and Info, to put Zion's first 10 games in perspective, the only former number one picks to score 200 points within their first 10 career games are two guys who are already in the, the Hall of Fame. Shaquille O'Neal is one, and Allen Iverson is the other. And those were both, what, in the 1990s. So it's been a long time. That's the start that Zion has had once finally healthy and ready for the New Orleans Pelicans. Justin, welcome to Free For All Friday. Go right ahead. Hey, BG. First and foremost, happy birthday to your co-North Carolina Sports Broadcaster of the Year, John Forslund. Wow, very cool. I didn't know uh, Mike Krzyzewski and John Forslund went back-to-back with birthdays. Happy birthday and happy Valentine's Day to John. Yes, sir. So, anyway, my call is about um, the a few shows ago you talked about best sports marketing of uh, of any product right. out there. The one that comes to my mind, especially from my childhood, is Big League Chew Bubblegum. Oh, you and I must be from a similar generation, man. Uh, I I have never, even after moving to North Carolina, and a lot of my buddies are dippers, some of them baseball players, but some of them just like fraternity brothers, man. That just is not my thing at all. But if you were a little kid, you could kind of just, it was the kind I remember, Justin, was like pink and shredded. So it would be shredded the way some guys would just chew tobacco. And it was basically the 12 or 10 year old boy version of chewing chewing gum while looking cool with the big wad in your cheek pretending you're chewing tobacco i guess in the healthiest way possible does that uh, send any flashbacks into your mind oh yes i actually thought i was the biggest stud out there on the little yeah. league uh, baseball field. Yeah. <laughs> and like my favorite ball player don mattingly who who also chewed and my daddy and my grandpa but i never did uh, never did take up tobacco and that's a, a healthy habit but Man, some wonderful memories of being out on the Little League ball field with a pouch of that in my and for Yeah, and for those who weren't with us that day, I think we were the, the genesis of that conversation was the Patrick Mahomes, I'm going to Disney. And we just called it, I mean, it's just one of the great, Phil Sims of the New York Giants was the first to do that a long, long time ago. And the staying power of that sports marketing program, every person I know, even if they're not a sports fan, knows what's, you know, that football dude who was that MVP guy coming out of that big game we call the Super Bowl at some point is going to stare into that camera and say, I'm going to Disney World. And we had a lot of great answers that day. I don't think Big League Chew came up, but that is another one, so I'm glad you squeezed that in. A perfect use of your free-for-all Friday freedoms. 1-800-849-2761. Will you be watching the XFL? I probably won't just because there are too many other good things. It's like a pecking order, right? I'm going to one of these Canes home games this weekend. I'm going to an ACC basketball game and covering it for us at accsports.com when Virginia visits UNC. I thought about doing the double. Catch Notre Dame at Duke at 4 o'clock ESPN, Cameron Indoor Stadium. And then by the time Coach K and Coach Bray are done with the media, I could zip right over to Chapel Hill, catch Tony Bennett against Roy Williams. Uh, I ended up opting for dinner with some old friends prior to UVA at UNC. And you know what proves what good friends they are? I'm going over to Chapel Hill for a meal with these friends to watch two teams play against each other that occasionally, offensively, can be the equivalent of watching grass grow or the proverbial watching paint dry. Seriously. I love Tony Bennett. I love Roy Williams. 
Roy Williams actually is often the architect of some of the most fun, fast-paced offenses you'll ever see. Just look at his track record. Not so much this year. It's his worst shooting team, the ugliest numbers he's ever had as a head coach offensively, and of course it will be the Tar Heels hosting uh, one of the best defensive teams in the entire nation. What will that look like when the Tar Heels have the ball? Remember, Brandon Robinson's still not back with his injury. They just lost to Wake Forest, and before that, lost at home to Boston College while looking like better version of them, versions of themselves while you know pushing both Florida State and Duke in close games. Like, how do you do that? How do those things add up? You lose to BC and Wake, the latter convincingly in Winston-Salem, but you come within a whisker of beating Duke, and you put up a pretty darn good fight in Tallahassee against the Seminoles. It is that kind of weird for UNC basketball this year after, you know, mostly great things to celebrate for a half-century-plus running. 1-800-849-2761. Quinn wants in on the Astros' attempts at apologies in Major League Baseball earlier this week. Others, the NBA All-Star Weekend, which offers not only the Celebrity Game and the Rising Stars Challenge tonight, you've got the three-point competition, the slam dunk contest, the skills challenge. Those are tomorrow night, and every one of those involves somebody we know well in these parts. Sunday night will be the big game, 8 o'clock TNT. There will be musical and format tributes to the late, great Kobe Bryant. It'll be Team LeBron against Team Giannis. As college basketball, the NBA, the Daytona 500, the return home of the Carolina Hurricanes, and, yeah, some NFL, some XFL, some baseball, some golf are on your minds and ours. You can be next with your question or comment. Quinn will get those phone calls rolling. Chris Spatola will join us in more than 60 minutes. Former Army basketball player, former Duke staffer under Coach K, now with ESPN and The Athletic as a college basketball analyst. Spatola later on College Hoops. More of your calls next at 1-800-849-2761 on The David Glenn Show. Gary Player joining us. This morning I did 1,300 sit-ups and crunches. Wow. I pushed 300 pounds with my legs and I ran on the treadmill. You are one of the legends of golf and you've been an inspiration as a person as well. What a nice compliment and God bless America. You're listening to The David Glenn Show. Any way you want it, that's the way you need Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to Free For All Friday. That is the one and only day each week you get to pick the topics. You ask the questions. You file your complaints. You offer your predictions. We have some questions of the day for your consideration. Quinn is in the triangle and wants to jump in on baseball. That sports headlines were dominated this week by the Houston Astros when the owner and some players completely butchered their attempts at apologies yesterday. The huge majority of our statewide audience agreed with me when I said it can be hard to accept apologies on big things, but when you believe the apology is authentic, when you really believe that they're sorry, most of us can try really hard to get over that hump and say, okay, I accept your apology, I forgive you, we're moving on. Well, the Astros 2017 World Series title will be forever stained in my eyes and the eyes of a lot of other baseball fans I know, not all of them diehards or traditionalists. Meanwhile, of course, as college basketball is our focus, as the NBA All-Star Weekend is upon us, as the Daytona 500 lingers in the background, and we come to more of your calls on those and other topics, 1-800-849-2761. Spring training 
is upon us in Major League Baseball. So hoops will have a lot of the headlines for a while. We'll see if week two in the XFL is as good as week one. Golf is on my mind. The Hurricanes are on my mind. But baseball is as well for some unfortunate reasons. Quinn, welcome to Free For All Friday. Go right ahead. Hey, how you doing, DJ? Doing great. What's um, on your mind? Yeah, so about the, the uh, press conference yesterday, obviously it was you know laughable and, and borderline insulting when he said it didn't affect the outcome of the game. But what I found pretty interesting was uh, about three or four times throughout the interview, he said things like, well, you know, I didn't have any input on the investigation. I didn't take part in the investigation. And it, he was, to me, it almost seemed like he was alluding to the fact that had he been involved in the investigation, was, you know, was he a part of it? that the outcome would have been different or the facts would have been different or we would have had a different perspective. And I just thought that just compounded that really embarrassing press conference they did. I have friends, I don't know if you've ever worked in PR, but I have friends who are really good in that corner of the universe. And they told me that what the Astros did this week from the owner Jim Crane and his comments through Jose Altuve and others as players who spoke out was the opposite of what PR people teach in damage control situations. It, it was just a debacle. They, they actually said you could use the Astros' week and their mistakes as like training for what not to do in the public relations world. You know, the lack of authenticity, the seemingly reading, seeming reading of statements without a whole lot of heart and belief behind it. I'm not a cynic. There are some guys I want to believe their apologies. For example, I'm not the biggest Justin Verlander fan because of some bad things that he's done to media members and in other contexts. However, I know enough people. In fact, maybe you can chime in on this, Quinn, from your perspective. I said on the show earlier this week regarding the Astros, most people I know are good people. But most of the people I know who are good people are not great at stopping others near them from doing bad things. In other words, some of them will just say, it's not my business, it's not my place, I'm not going to participate in this bad thing, but I'm not going to raise a ruckus and force all these guys to stop this whole sign-stealing scheme that we all know is clearly against the rules because baseball keeps clarifying its directive, saying, yeah, it's just absolutely positively against the rules, don't do it, or the penalties will be severe. I don't know as many good people who will stick their neck out that far. I just don't think most people are wired that way. And when Justin Verlander, who is a leader, said this week, I knew what was going on to a degree, and I'm really mad at myself that I didn't speak out more, try to stop it more. I basically, as a pitcher, just went about my business and pushed it to the side. I want to believe Justin Verlander that he's being truthful, and not just being practical, because that's what he has to say right now. Well, they're all under attack. You get what I'm getting at here? I, I do think there are some, and we know some Astros batters even did not want to be a part of it. They told their teammates, I know what y'all are doing, but I don't want to know what pitch is coming. It's going to confuse me. It's going to get in between my ears if I'm in the batter's box. Leave me out of it. But even those folks obviously let the rest of the scam go on. Uh, I, I didn't see anybody any more convincing than Justin Verlander, and he was only about 50-50 on my credibility scale. I think that's pretty much the most you can expect. You know, everybody wants to think that in that situation they would have been, you know, more high and mighty and stuck their neck out, neck out but that's uh, a lot easier said than done. So, I, you know, what his response was, I guess in my mind, a little bit more reasonable and 
you could at least understand where he was coming from. But everyone else just sounded like they were just sweeping it under the rug. It was horrible. It was really, 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 really bad. I appreciate your call. 1-800-849-2761. There have been apologies uh, they're all very, 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 very sorry. Maybe they should have just added a few more commas to their statements. Dallas Keuchel, Joe Musgrove, Charlie Morton have all apologized more of the Verlander way, saying they should have done more to confront their teammates. I get that part of human nature. I am less willing to apologize those who do evil things on purpose and then repeatedly lie about it. I can get there under the right circumstances. But I am more willing to understand those just because I think way more people than are willing to admit it while looking in the mirror in life, in society, at school, in work. Most people are not confrontational by nature, even when they see really bad things happening around them. The, the, if I lined up the 100 best people that I have ever met, I would guesstimate that 80% of them, while great in every other way, great at their jobs, great moms and dads, great sons and daughters, great leaders in the community, there are a whole lot of great people who are kind of just silent while horrible things are going around. And they just, they're either not wired that way or they justify it as, well, I'm not doing the wrong thing. So even though I know my Astros teammates here are doing it, and I got my hands full with my pitching and trying to win games or whatever else. I'm not even sure all the details of what they are doing, but maybe it's not my place, or maybe I don't want to upset the apple cart, or maybe I don't want to be the bad guy in the locker room. There are an awful lot of good people who think that way, and I would think all good people in some contexts, all of us think that way to some degree. It's what rises to the level of you sticking your neck out. What rises to the level of you being able to walk into a room of people that you have to live and work with almost every day and saying, what y'all are doing is wrong, and I want you to know that I've seen it. I want you to know and be reinforced that it's against the rules. I want you to know that I think you should stop it. And, you know, but, but for threatening to turn them in, you can send a message that you would at least hope resonates with them. It's like so many other things in our society. Most people are anti-racism, but when they see it, they're going to stay silent and let that situation play out over there with them getting involved. Most people are anti-sexism, but if they see it, they're going to stay out of it and let those people over there try to resolve that situation. You can have kindness in your heart and say, I would never do anything like that. It's the way more rare person who steps in, sometimes putting themselves at a little risk, sometimes risking their reputation. And if you're surrounded by people who think horrible things, well, guess what? You're not going to be the most popular guy in that group anymore, the most popular person in that group anymore, if you're the one to say enough with this stuff in society, at school, at work, or in this case, in a baseball locker room. There's a lot of really interesting things going on there. I think one thing almost everybody agrees on is that the Houston Astros completely butchered their attempts at apologies this week. Chris Spatola on College Basketball Live in 60 Minutes. Right back to your free-for-all Friday phone calls on the other side. I have a lot more on college basketball looking back and looking forward to a weekend that includes some great matchups nationally 
and some huge bubble watch type games in the ACC and otherwise. The NBA All-Star Weekend allows for a lot of tasty treats as well. Not only Sunday night for the big game, but tonight and tomorrow night. XFL is back. Golf is ramping up with the Masters just two months away. The Canes are back on home ice and trying to get back onto the right side of their playoff picture line. Daytona 500 is Sunday. Kyle Bush among our guests earlier this week. Your questions, your comments, your complaints, your predictions, you can steer us to any corner of the sports universe. I might even answer your Valentine's Day emails. 1-800-849-2761 is how you can be next on The David Glenn Show. Kurt Busch is joining us, 38-year-old champion of the Daytona 500. I went out with Gronk last night after uh, after we won the race. Did you really? Also, it was fun. Got about an hour's sleep. I asked him, I go, hey, when do you have to report to training camp? He goes, July. I said, well, we can't be friends because i got to <laughs> go back to racing. Stay with us on the David Glenn Show. He was talking about how he doesn't know if Cam's going to be healthy. They don't know. To me, that's, that's, you know, kind of a tight deadline in terms of what they need to be doing before the combine. Free agency is upon us in the next less than a month. So this is now with the new coaching staff finishing up their evaluation. We are in a tighter timeline um, than we ever have been. And I think tensions are very high where this particular topic is concerned. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. That was Jordan Rodrigue of The Athletic Carolina. Great guest on a lot of NFL stuff, including the Panthers. As we come back to your free-for-all Friday phone calls, college hoops, NC State versus the NCAA, the return of the Carolina Hurricanes to home ice, the Daytona 500 on Sunday. The PGA guys are at Riviera, and the big names are all there. Rory McIlroy, Tiger Woods, Brooks Kepka. Matt Kuchar was the leader yesterday after carding a 64. Former ECU star Harold Varner III was tied for second with a 67. There was even a Kobe Bryant tribute on the PGA Tour. There will be more of those at the NBA's All-Star Weekend, as you would expect. Your questions, your comments, your complaints are all fair game. If you dial 1-800-849-2761, you can be next on the David Glenn Show. One weekend highlight to circle for everybody, at least for your consideration, as we play a little free-for-all Friday, Valentine's Day, sports, and even a little music, a little beer, a little wine, a little travel, a little relationship advice in honor of today's Valentine's Day. You have tonight the Celebrity Game and the Rising Stars Game. Again, Zion Williamson and R.J. Barrett, former Duke Stars both, the one-and-done superstars, will be representing opposite teams as the best young players in the NBA go at it this evening, 9 o'clock TNT. So you'll see RJ, RJ wearing the Team World jersey. Zion will be in the red, white, and blue of Team USA as they go head-to-head. Tomorrow night, more familiar faces to the Charlotte Hornets, who are far from the right kind of relevance in the NBA in almost all conversations as we speak. They rarely make the playoffs. They never advance when they do. It has been far more bad than good for the NBA franchise in our backyard. Do they have a presence in Chicago this weekend as Lakers star Anthony Davis gets to look forward to a homecoming? He is from Chicago. As LeBron and Giannis are the captains of their respective all-star teams on Sunday night? The answer is yes. We do have just a little sprinkling of Charlotte Hornets-style talent over this three-day event. Devontae Graham who has been a phenomenal player 
given that he was an almost afterthought draft pick. He's a state of North Carolina guy from right here in Raleigh. He strutted his stuff at the college level, remember, for the Kansas Jayhawks. He was not viewed as a great NBA prospect, and that's why he fell out of where most top prospects end up going, and that is the first round of the NBA draft. Well, Devontae was selected by the Hornets in the second round, was a little-known reserve for a while, and now has become the closest thing to a star that the Hornets have in the post-Kemba Walker era. He will be battling, among others, ACC legend Joe Harris, formerly of UVA, when we were in Charlotte for the NBA's All-Star Game, he was the winner of the three-point shooting contest. Dude, like his former coach at UVA, Tony Bennett, can just flat-out stroke the long ball. So Joe Harris has a championship title to defend. He's back in the three-point contest tomorrow night. Devontae Graham is among the other contestants there. Meanwhile, both Devontae Graham and Miles Bridges will be on Team USA tonight. So they will be Zion's teammates in the Rising Stars game representing Team USA against R.J. Barrett and Team World. In between all of this, there will be the slam dunk contest. There will be the skills challenge, which to me is the least interesting of everything I saw in Charlotte when we hosted the NBA All-Star game. But... Perhaps they've tweaked it to make it more interesting. Jason Tatum, formerly of Duke, now with the Celtics, will be in the Skills Challenge. Bam Adebayo of the Miami Heat, a state of North Carolina prospect who went to Kentucky at the college level, also will be in the Skills Challenge. That usually favors little guys to a degree. There's like an obstacle course, and you got to dribble a little weave, and you got to make a shot, and you're timed, and you got to do it quickly. Uh, we'll see if they spruce that up a little bit. The Slam Dunk Contest has only four contestants. It does take a while because of the props and the jersey changes, and that was a lot of fun. Remember, J. Cole was pulled in as a prop when it was in Charlotte. Dwight Howard of the Lakers, who I do not think of first as a dunker, is one of the four dunk contest contestants. And Pat Connaughton of the Milwaukee Bucks, formerly of Notre Dame, another guy I don't first think of as a dunker. I think of him as like a two-sport superstar, right? Major League Baseball draft choice, but also an NBA guy. Uh, I think of him as a gritty dude who helped Mike Bray win a lot of games and even an ACC title during his time in South Bend. I think of him as a nice rotation player for the Milwaukee Bucks. I don't think of him, and maybe I've just missed it, as the spectacular dunker. Uh, but Dwight Howard and Pat Connaughton are two of the four contestants in the dunk contest. So at every stage of the game... There will be plenty of dudes that we know well from our part of the country, including some Charlotte Hornets memberships. Team LeBron will include, remember, Jason Tatum of the Celtics and Chris Paul of the Thunder from Duke and Wake, of course. Team Giannis will include former Hornet Kemba Walker now with the Celtics, Bam Adebayo, and making his, also making his first all-star game appearance, as Bam is, Brandon Ingram, formerly of the Duke Blue Devils, now a teammate of Zion Williamson in New Orleans. 1-800-849-2761 is your ticket into the program. Jim is in Wilmington, North Carolina, and has a different type of football on his mind. Welcome to the David Glenn Show. Go right ahead. Hey, DJ, how are you? I'm doing great, man. What's on your mind? Uh, I know it's a couple of weeks removed from the Hall of Fame, but, but um, I'm from Denver and watched a lot of Denver football my life and so uh, Steve Atwater was voted in great a great safety I mean he was he was awesome yeah and um so um and I, I didn't have to do this and remember what he played like but I saw the old YouTube on his hit oh and man he he would never make it 
in the NFL. He would be so fine and out of <laughs> There should be there should be like yellow flags flying in the background as Steve Atwater gives his Hall of Fame speech, right? It's just amazing the difference of play, how it was and what it is. Um, and one of his most famous kids, Christian Okoye, came down the middle. He was mic'd up. It was a Monday night. And he hit him so hard, he bounced back like five yards. It's funny. I'm trying to remember. Like, I was a huge fan of Brian Dawkins, formerly of the Clemson Tigers and then my Philadelphia Eagles. Atwater would have played before Dawkins, but they remind me of each other in a few ways. And just being a tough-as-nails tackler and an over-the-top competitor are two of the parallels there. So I was happy to see him. What was it? Earlier this month, Atwater found out that he's going into this year's Hall of Fame uh, as part of Hall, this year's Hall of Fame class, right? Yeah, Super Bowl weekend. Yeah. They do it. And, and yeah, Dawkins came later, um, you know, maybe quite a bit later. Yeah, maybe a but, decade or so it later. Same, it was the same He was the same type of type of play, but Atwater was a bigger guy. True. He was a, he was a he was a lot bigger. Yeah, he looked almost like a linebacker, Steve Atwater, back with the Broncos. He, just when you just looked at him standing there in the defensive secondary in his uniform, you're like, you know, a lot of D-backs are used as hybrid guys. I forget exactly how the Broncos used him back then, but some guys who are listed as safeties, man, it's fun to see. Like they they line up, you know, in the in this splicing of the film later. The great safeties like a Steve Atwater, who's big enough to be near the line of scrimmage, but also versatile enough to cover somebody. You know, they kind of play like an outside linebacker in this formation. They kind of play like an inside linebacker in another formation. They might ask him to rush the passer occasionally. They ask him to be in pass coverage occasionally. And, of course, he was most famous as just, you know, a gritty, no-nonsense, wanted to take your head off and intimidate you on the plays where he wasn't allowed to tackle you. Uh, he did that at a Hall of Fame level and certainly, you know, a worthy member of the class of 2020. You don't see these guys coming across, uh, you know, uh, back then going across the middle. No, <laughs> no, <laughs> this is true. That's very well put, Jim. Thanks for playing, man. Have a good weekend. 1-800-849-2761. More of you want in on the week that was or the weekend to come. Chris Spatola is our guest in 45 minutes. More college basketball. The number one team in the country, Baylor, host West Virginia. That's probably the best Big 12 matchup of the weekend that awaits us. In Big 10 country, number nine Maryland goes to Michigan State, which has actually fallen out of the top 25, but still has really good efficiency numbers. Former number one Michigan State hosting number nine Maryland. And San Diego State is 25-0 and out of 300-plus Division I men's basketball teams. They've been the only one that's still undefeated, and they've been that for a long time at this point. They actually have a road trip to Boise State, which is probably one of the only teams in San Diego State's league that has a chance of ruining that unblemished record. We'll see how that plays out. Closer to home, of course, Davidson's on national TV tonight against St. Bonaventure. App State gets a shot at one of the better teams in the Sun Belt. Dustin Kearns and friends visit Georgia Southern in Sunbelt action. Central and A&T play each other Monday night with first place in the MEAC on the line. And in terms of the ACC or others within our state boundaries, ECU gets a shot 
at the Cincinnati Bearcats. So the Minji's Maniacs, I expect you to expect you to be out in force for that noon game on Sunday. The Bearcats are second in the AAC standings as we speak. ECU is toward the bottom of the conference standings, but Jaden Gardner is one of the best players in the state. Get a chance to see him if you can. ECU hosting Cincinnati Sunday at noon. The Wolfpack has to go to BC and take care of business to make even more meaningful those games next week where they host Florida State, they host Duke with lots of power points on the line, of course, for Kevin Keats as he tries to take the Wolfpack to its second NCAA tournament in his three years leading that pack. UVA is at UNC tomorrow night. Notre Dame and Syracuse, I mentioned, are on the clock. The Orange visit Florida State tomorrow at noon. The Irish visit Duke tomorrow at 4 o'clock. It is do or die for Syracuse and Notre Dame if they want to even be relevant in the NCAA tournament conversation, much less be in that UVA-NC State mode where they're closer to the bubble and bigger parts of the conversation. Louisville goes to Clemson, one of the ACC's best, trying to get the ugly taste of that loss at Georgia Tech out of the Cardinals' mouths. More of your phone calls, questions, and comments. It is Free For All Friday, and we are following your lead. Chris Batola in 45 minutes. Right back to your Free For All Friday questions, comments, and complaints next on The David Glenn Show. Rob Schneider joining us on the David Glenn Show. When they try to have three days of the NFL draft on TV, my friend said, hey, you going to watch the NFL draft? I was like getting excited about a strip club that's still under construction. <laughs> like you see that building over there in a couple of months? There's going to be some breasts in there. You're listening to the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Quick email from Judy. And I believe it is Matthews near Charlotte, North Carolina. Judy Judy writes, DJ, you're one of the only sports radio shows that I have ever listened to. I like particularly how you talk about things beyond sports. I didn't know where to look for this, the answer to this question, so I decided to write this email. Many of my friends, male and female, don't watch any sports at all. Is there any research out there that suggests what percentage of Americans watch no sports at all? She writes, I realize the irony of me asking a sports radio host this question, but you seem to have a lot of interesting tidbits in a lot of things that go beyond the sports world. Loyal listener, Judy, writing from Matthews, North Carolina. I actually researched this, not myself. I researched others' research on this. I was just curious. As we come back to your free-for-all Friday phone calls, college hoops, NBA All-Star Weekend, XFL, NFL, baseball scandal, Wolfpack scandal, hurricanes on home ice, Daytona 500, Tiger and Rory and the boys out at Riviera on the golf course again, 1-800-849-2761. The last research that I wrote about, and this is years ago, so of course things can change. These numbers could change. But I was struck by the numbers myself. The answer, I read it by gender. So about, I wonder if you guys want to guess. Intern Will is with me today. Charles Hadley is in for the on assignment, Darren Vaught. Uh, I would say I'm sorry to put you guys on the spot, but that is the nature of our industry now, isn't it? Putting each other on the spot. I'm the host, so people put me on the spot all the time. Uh, As we come to more of your calls, Will is a little busy answering the phone, 1-800-849-2761. 
Charles, I promise I will not make fun of you if you get this wrong. I'll, I'll put it this way. When I started looking into this, I was really wrong, okay? If you had to guess what percent they studied adult men in the United States specifically, and they asked the question very in a very narrow way, do you watch nationally televised sports at all? And I think they asked, like, in the last six months or something like that. So you know it's going to be a low percentage that don't watch any nationally televised sports in this country over that long of a period. I mean, I know a lot of people that only occasionally watch sports, but this question specifically said, and it was ESPN-related research. Would you want to guess what percentage of men or what percentage of women? Again, this research is a little bit dated, several years old. You care to venture a guess there? I'd say 40%. 40% have not watched any nationally televised sports in the past six months? Yeah, that's what I'll say. Okay, it is about, it says one in every 14. So that is only, quick math, about 7%. So 93% of men watched at least some nationally televised sports. So you are the rare dude if you didn't tune in even one time in a six-month period. I'm trying to find – here's – okay, over the – oh, it's roughly the same for women. Roughly 7% have not watched any nationally televised sports in the last six months. So, you know, 13 out of every 14 American adults, male or female – Thank God, obviously, given what's paid my bills for the last 30-plus years. It's a good thing that the 93% are into sports at least to some degree. Uh, And thanks to Judy, who's not all that into sports, but for whatever reason, likes us here at the David Glenn Show. Jeff is in Kelly, North Carolina. Welcome to Free For All Friday. Go right ahead. How you doing, BG? I'm doing great, man. What surprise do you have coming my way? That, That one took me off my chair a little bit. Well, it's not so much a surprise, it's a question about the Panthers. Yeah. Um, seeing what the offensive coordinator did with Joe Burrow, do you have any idea or do you think that they would try to use that same magic with Kyle Allen and keep him? Their only public comments, and my, I'm as curious as you are, Jeff, and this is an absolutely good question. I mean, you've got a little journalist inside of you. This is the right fan question to ask. It's the right media question to ask. The only public comments that I have seen from either Panthers head coach Matt Rule or his LSU you know, juggernaut wonderkind Joe Brady, his new offensive coordinator, uh, include, we don't have a set offense that others have to learn we need to learn the Panthers' personnel and build around them. So it is much more. It's kind of like, remember, the Panthers' success stories. I know they've been bad lately. But their success story with Cam Newton was based on the premise that in a league where most teams ask you to adjust to them as much as they're adjusting to you, the Panthers said, we got to build around Cam Newton's unique dual-threat skill set. And that's what Matt Rule and Joe Brady say they'll do. Now, I'll tell you this, I don't believe anybody in the Panthers organization with authority believes Kyle Allen is going to be a full-time starting quarterback in the NFL. Uh, And they've seen nothing from Will Greer to suggest that either. So, 
It's a great question. We probably won't know more until, of course, the Cam Newton fork in the road is taken, and then we'll learn more come spring drills, et cetera. More back to your free-for-all Friday calls next. University of North Carolina. We got to win now. Let's don't start looking at rebuilding. Let's don't talk about how bad we are. Let's don't talk about we're not better than anybody. Let's figure out how to win. And that's what we've done. And, and the Coastal, because it's been up in the air every year, why shouldn't we have a chance? Keep it dialed in to the David Glenn Show.